0: I'm delighted to be here, and uh, I grew up in the Washington D.C. area. Went to high school at Oakton High School. Grew up in Herndon, Reston. My, um, yeah, I know, right? Go Cougars! Um, but uh, my my mom and dad they planted a Reston Bible Church uh, over 40 years ago in Reston, and um, Pastor uh, Brett and Cynthia they have been such dear friends to my parents and just encourage encouragers and. I have been wanting to be here for a really long time, and it, and it finally worked out. It was the perfect opportunity for me to come. So I'm so glad uh, to be here. And if you all, I'm assuming that the majority of you go to this church, so you already know what an amazing body of Christ you all have here. Um, but for a few of those who might be out here, and maybe you got invited today, um, maybe maybe someone you know just told you about this awesome event. Maybe Maybe you were even tricked into coming today that happens, they tell you about the awesome breakfast, and they forget to tell you about the Bible teacher who 's coming, but if that 's you and you're, you're, and you don 't know it, like if you don 't have a regular church home, you, you maybe you went to Easter last week, and that was your one outing um, this, this I know this congregation is open next week too, and tomorrow too. So th- just think about that, because what an awesome place to be, what an awesome place to be, and I'm, I'm just inspired by even what I've already heard so far. So um, today, we want to we look at God's Word, and we know that our kind of anchor verse is out of Ephesians, and Shamika, you've, you've um, talked about it already, but I just want to back up a couple verses out of Ephesians 5, 13, and 15. Let me just read this to you, because we're going to actually head to a different portion of Scripture, but... The apostle Paul says everything exposed by the lights is made visible for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, wake up or get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Uh, Clearly the apostle Paul is saying that Christ is the light. And Christ has shone upon us and he has come for us and to us. And as a result of his light, you can't, we don't want to be asleep in the light. So the light is shining. Jesus Christ has shone. And so Paul says, so wake up, wake up. What's more depressing than being dead asleep in the middle of a day like today, right? I mean, I tried for as long as I could this morning, don't get me wrong, but the, the, the light is shining, Wake up. Let's get out there. Let's go to work. And so as I was thinking about this, I wanted to go back to, um, actually, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you Genesis chapter 30. If you'll just go ahead and turn back to Genesis chapter, well, 29, 30, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you've got a device or, and if you don't have either of those, don't worry, just share with the person next to you. And if that person's cranky about that, they need to be here this morning. So you don't worry about that. (laughs) But Genesis 29, 30 is kind of where we're going to camp out. And I, I wanted to go here because this is, I would say, probably my life message so out of this text, and it's about two women who were asleep to God's promises, um, asleep to God's love for them, asleep to God's choosing of them, asleep to God's eternal purposes, and all they could see was right what was what was right in front of them and some of you all will know many of you all will know their names are Rachel and Leah now i can't fully blame them for being asleep because they lived thousands of years ago and they lived well before the dawning of the light of jesus christ Now, God had made a covenant with their forefathers, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He had made this covenant with Abraham saying that one day all the nations on the earth were going to be blessed, and and we get this foreshadowing that a Messiah and a Savior is going to come, and the light will dawn. But this is a little bit before that's happened, and so though they had some light to go off of, I'm not going to fault them necessarily fully for being asleep, but we're going to see what... God was doing in their lives and it's some of the same things that he's doing in our lives. And what I want to make sure is that by the end of today, we are not asleep to those things, that we are awake to what he's doing. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to start reading um, at the end of chapter 29, but before I do, I just want to set the story up just ever so slightly. You have this man named Jacob. He, uh, went to go live with his uncle Laban cause he had some issues, uh, Deceiving, betrayal, whole, it, the Bible's not clean, if you've ever gotten into it. It's not clean, which is partly what I love about it, it's very real. And so Jacob had some issues, and he goes to live with his uncle Laban. He falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. Scripture says that Rachel was young, she was beautiful, and Jacob was in love with her. So he said, I want to marry Rachel. And Uncle Laban said, absolutely not a problem, but I want you to work for me for seven years. And at the end of that seven years, you can marry Rachel. Well, the end of that seven years comes, and there's this ceremony, and they consummate the the, um, marriage, and the next day, and I I don't understand how this happened, but the next day, Jacob (laughs) wakes up and he realizes that he actually has not been given Rachel as his wife but has been given her older sister Leah that's a bummer right there. And so he's mad, he's deceived, so he goes to Uncle Laban, what did you do? And he goes, oh, well, that's just not how our, we don't give the younger one in marriage first, we give the older one in marriage first, it's just how the culture works, you know, and, and, and so he says, listen, just do this, finish out Leah's bridal week, or the honeymoon, if you will, just finish out the week, and then I will give you Leah, and then you will owe me another seven years of work. So almost like on credit, he gets the second wife. So the whole thing is a disaster. The whole thing is setting up uh, both wives for failure. And, and honestly, anytime there are two wives, <laughs> this is not going to go well, right? This is not, not going to go well. But we see, though, and I want to start with Leah, we see that Leah goes into this marriage unloved, in fact, Laban, her father, has set her up for this because he even has to say to Jacob, just go ahead and finish out the, the, the uh, honeymoon or the bridal week until you get the one you really want. Well, how does Leah feel going into this? What kind of rejection does she go into, into a marriage like this? And so I want you to see uh, chapter 29. We're going to look at verse 31. Start with verse 31. And if, let me just, just if, if you don't have it in front of you, just let me... Say these words, and and it'll all make sense, because it's just a great story. But it says, "'When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was unable to conceive. Leah conceived, gave birth to a son, and named him Reuben, for she said, "'The Lord has seen my affliction. Surely my husband will love me now.'" She conceived again, gave birth to a son, and said, "'The Lord heard that I am unloved.'" And has given me this son also, so she named him Simeon. She conceived again, gave birth to a son, and said, At last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne three sons for him. Therefore, he was named Levi. And she conceived again, gave birth to a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then Leah stopped having children. Yes, yeah, she got it. That's right. By the way, I love you guys talking back to me. <laughs> I am part of the Frozen Chosen, and uh, you guys know what that is? You guys don't even know what that is. It's it's like we are like the white Frozen Chosen, and we are stiff and still, and nobody talks back. And I come here, and everybody's like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right, that's right, uh (laughs) uh-huh. And it, it makes me so happy. So... I just want to let you know, if I'm back here next week, if I've just slipped in somehow, you'll know, you'll know why. But um, hey, let me, let me pray over us. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you, God, for what you are already showing us just as we look at this passage. Thank you for the panel, the women on the panel today, Lord. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for the stories, God, that clearly on a panel like that, Lord, that it leads to you. Um, Lord, amazing, amazing women, but who all would agree, we have nothing apart from you. We have nothing apart from you. And, and yes, we need to stay in that place of emptiness, because in that place of emptiness is when you come and you fill us and you make us so much more, so much more. And really, you just make us who you had always created us to be. And so, Lord, thank you. And we pray that you would just move among us, that you'd meet every woman who is here, in a profound and special way. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Leah had all these children. She had Simeon. She had, um, well, she had Reuben first. She had Simeon. She had Levi. She had Judah. And she's not done, by the way. Uh, All of these children of Leah and Rachel's, not to give too much away, but these will make up the 12 tribes of Israel. These children will make up the nation of Israel. You want to talk about some powerhouses, Leah and Rachel, and yet, they're as broken as they can be. And in some ways, there is as a sleep to God's plan as they can possibly be. So anyway, Leah, uh, I, want, I want you to see, this is it's just it's so profound. Verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Now, wait a minute. I'm like, Lord, that's not her problem. Her problem, that's not the problem. When the Lord saw that, that, that Leah was unloved, if I'm writing the story, I would make Jacob love her. Right? Because but but that's because I'm finite (laughs) and I and I'm human. But when God saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. And I want to stop there for just a second because we have to remember that we are here. We're we're in the, the first five books of the Old Testament. We're actually in the very first book of the Old Testament. We are so early on in God's story of redemption and all the way back, thousands of years even before the coming of Christ. We see that after creation, after God has created the the sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean, um, the land, after he's put separation uh, between darkness and light and all of the things that he has done, and as he's keeping the entire universe running and spinning, the Lord God looks down on planet earth and he sees one unloved woman. That is a profound verse. If, if you are wondering who the God of the universe is and who the God of the Bible is, this is profound. Yeah. This is a God that looks down and he, will, he sees one person, one person who is unloved, one person who has not been chosen, one person who has been already been betrayed and has been set up for a hard life and a hard marriage. And when he sees that she's not um, loved, he doesn't make Jacob love her, although that would just be so easy and would really fix the immediate sense of urgency for Leah, right? I, I know for me that there are times, and Shamika uh, kind of alluded to it, where I'm just like, Lord, do you see how easy this would be? Like, see, I'm, I'm having this issue, and you could just do it. Like, you just fix that problem. Um, But when he saw that she was unloved, he doesn't fix that problem in the way that she would think. He does something far, far, far greater. And we'll understand that by the time we get to the end of our time today. But he opens up her womb. And we're going to see why this is even more important. Um, but, but, But I just, man, if you get nothing else today just note that we have a God, we have a serve a God who sees the unloved, and he cares. And, he, and not just that he saw a woman who was unloved, but he acted on her behalf. That's the key here. He didn't just see it. He saw, and then he did something on her behalf. And this is, pow- I, this is powerful. I get excited about it every single time. So she has all these children, and then you notice that she... Um, she, she gives a little bit of an a, a explanation for why she names every child what she names them. And she, she says, the Lord has seen my affliction. And Reuben can mean like the Lord has heard me or he's seen my affliction. And then she says, surely my husband will love me now. Yeah. Leah's asleep. Yeah. Now, this is not wrong that she wants her husband to love her but she's asleep to why God has opened her womb, and she's asleep to what he's doing. And, and we don't judge her for it because I'm right here. I'm just right here in her boat. Like, this is how I live so often. Um, just, I'm, all I can see is this linear, right, what's in front of me. But she says, surely my husband will love me now. She is trying to earn the love of her husband by what she can give him. And that's not true love, right? That's not true love. That's, and we, 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 um, uh, One of the things that's near and dear to my heart is um, just this exploration of, of idolatry and modern-day idolatry because it rivals what Jesus Christ wants to do in us. And you guys talked about your brokenness. I mean, I, I, could, I just feel like I could run circles around people with brokenness <laughs> because I feel like I have been so broken at different times in my life. And the Lord... Um, has been so tender to me to show me who and what I have put up as an idol that I was trying to get to love me. And I was trying to do it by what I could offer that person or that thing. And that's not love. That's conditional. Well, then she has another uh, couple children, and she says, at last, this is in verse 34, my husband will become attached to me. So do you see what she has done with her idol Jacob? She has downgraded. At first, she's like, oh, I hope he'll love me. Surely he'll love me by what I can give him. Well, two sons later, now she's like, well, maybe he'll just be attached to me. You know, do you know what that is? You know, we have a term for that, codependency. You know, maybe he won't love me, but he'll need me, and I need him to need me, and we'll just kind of like go through life attached. Well, this is Sad. This is to be, because, because God's doing so much more than what Leah can possibly imagine, but she's just still, she's fixated on this idol. And, and it's an idol that will not be able to fulfill her. Well, you, we get several verses uh, down, and she this is, you know, she's, has many, many more children. We don't have time to read all about her children. She's a lot more children, two more by her own um, body and then through her slave girl. But then she says, this time at the end, near the end, my husband will honor me or my husband will treat me with respect. So you see, she's gone from he will love me, he will be attached to me, to finally like, well, maybe Jacob will just give me some sliver of respect. That's, that's, she, she just, that's where she's gone because she's asleep to what God is doing. And But what, where she is awake is she is perfectly awake to how Jacob has rejected her, and she's perfectly awake to how her sister Leah, and we're going to see in a minute, has one-upped her by stealing the affection of Jacob. So th- those are the things that she's awake to, and isn't it true that when we're asleep to the things that God is doing, we are wide awake to the things on earth, We are wide awake to the world. We are wide awake to where we are being slighted, where we don't have as much as the next person, where we're not getting our fair due, or how exhausted we are. We're wide awake to those things. And this is what's happening. Okay, so now we're going to move on to Rachel for just a second, because here's the deal. Rachel was loved by Jacob, Jacob loved Rachel. She was the apple of his eye. And Scripture tells us that she's beautiful and she's youthful. So it would, go, it would stand to reason that Rachel is going to be fulfilled and happy because she's got everything that Leah thinks a person needs for life and happiness. Rachel's got it. So let's see how happy Rachel is at the top of chapter thirty. Verse 1, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she envied her sister. Give me sons or I will die, she said to Jacob. Yeah, she's happy. (laughs) Jacob became angry with Rachel and said, am I in God's place who has withheld offspring from you? And then she said, here's my maid, Bilhah. Go sleep with her and she'll bear children for me so that through, through her I too can build a family. So Rachel gave Her slave Bilhah to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has vindicated me. Yes, he has heard me, and he's given me a son. So she named him Dan. Listen, do you know what Rachel is saying there in that time and in that culture? She's saying, give me the slave girl, or or I will give uh, my slave girl to you, Jacob, so that through her, I can build not just a family, but in those days, she was saying, I can build a life. Because in in that context and in those days, what gave you worth as a human being was to be married and to give your Hebrew husband sons who could then carry on the family name and a legacy. We live in a culture that's more individualistic based. What right or wrong, either way, it doesn't really matter. It's just our culture is more like, well, you can do it. You're single, you can do it, go get after it. That culture was not that way. If you wanted to have a legacy and a life, you needed to be married and you needed to give your husband sons that would carry on the family name. That is what brought you significance. And so when Rachel thought, you know what? God's not blessing my plan here. He's not doing what I want him to do. I am going to make this happen. (laughs) Have you ever tried to make God's will happen for your life? (laughs) Just never Works out very well. Well, she has these two children through the slave girl, and there's more jealousy, and there's anger, and there's all kinds of strife. And again, just like Leah, Rachel is asleep to what God is doing in her life because even though Rachel's womb was closed at that moment, God had not forgotten her, and God had a plan for Rachel. But she was asleep to it. And she was wide awake to her plan, and to her void, and to her desperation. And so both Leah and Rachel are living in these places where Leah thinks that Rachel has what a person needs for life and happiness, which is the love of Jacob. And Rachel thinks that Leah has what a person needs for life and happiness, which is to be able to bear children. And both of them are asleep to who God is and what he's doing in their lives and his presence with each of them. Many years Later. Well, first, I just have to, we just have, I have to, I, I can't skip this one part. i got enough time. Uh, verse 14, the oldest son, Leah, just listen, this is many years have gone by. Reuben what goes out during the wheat harvest, and he finds some mandrakes in the field, mandrake plants. When he brought them to his mother, Leah, Rachel asked, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But Leah replied to her, isn't it enough that you have taken my husband? Now you also want to take my son's mandrakes? girl (laughs) well then Rachel said he can sleep with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes when Jacob came in from the field that evening Leah went out to meet him and said you must come with me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes so Jacob slept with her that night the mandrake what's a mandrake Well, what's pretty interesting is if you go and you study what a mandrake plant is, it was believed to promote fertility, which Leah did not need any more mandrake plants. I don't know. Her son, Reuben, was the one that was bringing them in and harvesting them. I don't know if you like, I don't know if it was like an herb that you sprinkled onto your salads or what, I don't know what, or if you just like put it was an essential oil or I don't know. But all I know is that Leah did not need it. But Rachel comes to Leah and says, give me your son's mandrakes. Do you you see what's happening here? She's saying, give me the one thing that you have that I want. And then Leah, because remember, they're both asleep to what God's doing. And they're asleep to who he is. This is more important. And she goes, wait a minute. You think I'm going to give you the mandrake plants when you've stolen my husband? So then they start dealing with one another. Rachel's like, okay, well, fine. You give me the mandrake plant so you can sleep with Jacob tonight. And Leah goes running out to meet him in the field. Just a picture of desperation, um, a picture of brokenness. In fact, if may, maybe similar to, um, I think it was Rihanna on the panel said, and, and maybe, maybe what we have said, where we just have this moment in our lives, and we go, wait, how did I get here? How did I get here? And and both of these women are in these places of, how did I get here? But God is intimately involved with them. He has not left them. He is moving in their lives. He is with them. And so after all of this mess and the jealousy and the anger and the the, 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 the depression and the codependency and the strife, in verse 22 of chapter 30, it says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and he opened her womb. So she'd been praying. She'd been calling out to God. She hadn't been doing it right, but she had been calling out to him. And he listened to her and he opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son. And she said, God has taken away my disgrace. (laughs) Wait a minute, Rachel, I thought you took your own disgrace away. I thought you were going to get the slave girl and you were going to build a life through her. And you did it. In fact, you did it, you did it twice, and you said that you have been, had a competition with your sister, and you had won. Which I don't even understand that kind of math, because Leah's had like 4,000 children at this point <laughs> through her own. But, but you see, the thing is, is we can't take our own disgrace away. And that's the thing. She finally comes, and she realizes what God did, what well, God did, what she could not do. God did it. God opened her womb. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do the thing that she wanted to do. God had done it. And then she holds that baby boy in her arms and she says, the Lord has taken away my disgrace. And I just want to say, I don't know what disgrace you have come in with, but Jesus, yes. Because this is all pointing to Christ, by the way. And Jesus comes to the cross. We celebrated it last Sunday. And he took on our shame. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Only Jesus Christ can take away your disgrace. We can try to prop it up. We can try to lean in, we can try to lean out, we can try to advance in our career, we can try to have more children, we can try to get this guy to love us, we can try to make more money, we can try to get the Pinterest kitchen of our dreams. or We can try to, to undo our own disgrace, but only he can take it away. And Rachel realizes this at this moment. And by the way, when it says that when God, God remembered Rachel, that doesn't mean he had forgotten her. It's a funny English word. I wish we'd find a new translation for that. Because he's not like, oh my goodness, Rachel, oh, I meant to do this a long time ago. I'm so sorry, but you're going to get to be pregnant now. I, told, I was just super busy. There was like the flood and the ark and these different things that were going on. And I just, you know, he had not forgotten her. That word remembered means it signifies God's time of action. When God's ready to move, and it specifically in the Old Testament is attached to His covenant promise with Abraham, His covenant promise. When God is ready to move on that promise, and and His covenant promise with Abraham was that through Abraham, His descendants would multiply. He would be very fruitful, and um, he would be a uh, blessing to to uh, that God would bless the nations through him, all the nations of the earth. And that there would be land attached. The promised land would be attached to that covenant. And so right here we see that God's moving because this son Joseph is going to have a profound impact on the nation of Israel. I've been writing a study on Joseph's life and so I was kind of excited to go back to this today because there's just so much more in this than we can even wrap our heads around in a short amount of time um, on on a Saturday morning. But what I want you to see here is that God had not forgotten Rachel. He had a plan for her And he was going to bring it about at just the right time. And see, what if Rachel had been awake to the reality that God loved her, that he had chosen her, that he was for her, and that he was going to work at just the right time? How much more peaceful and rich and restful could her life have been up to this point? It's also interesting to note that in Genesis chapter 35, Rachel actually dies giving birth to her second son. She dies in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. And so it's very interesting because at one point she says to Jacob, give me children or I will die. And I wonder, was the Lord looking down, was it his mercy and his love staying her womb, holding it back? for as long as, 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 as he willed it to give her more life because it would be through a child. That would, it would, the child would, that childbirth would take her life. So could it be God's mercy? But see, we're, we get asleep to all this stuff because we are so awake to everything else that we see and all the things that are going wrong. And if you think that I am preaching to you and not preaching to myself right now, I just want to let you know this message is for me. This message is for me. And it and it has been for me for many many years. It inspires me every time I see it. Okay, what about Leah? What about Leah? Leah has all these children. She's not loved. You go further down and in in Genesis and just even the way that some things that Jacob does that um, show clearly that he still loves Rachel. Rachel is the beloved. In fact, I just studied it. At the very end of Genesis, Jacob talks about his one true Rachel. Jacob, he was always about Rachel. Um, Leah goes through her life not, not chosen by Jacob, not loved by Jacob But here's what's very fascinating. At the end of Genesis chapter 50, Jacob is on his deathbed. And he says to Joseph, Rachel's son, promise me that when I die, because they're in Egypt at this point, he goes, promise me when I die that you will take my bones back to Canaan and you will bury me next to Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, And Leah. Not Rachel. Not Rachel. Not because Jacob ever stopped loving Rachel, but because he knew that God had chosen Judah, who was Leah's fourthborn, when it said finally she praised the Lord when she had Judah and she stopped having children. And when Jacob at the end of his life is blessing all of the sons who will turn into the 12 tribes, who will eventually turn into the nation of Israel, he blesses Judah in a very special way, and he says, the scepter, that symbol of royalty, will not depart from you. And one day there is a kingdom coming to someone else to whom that kingdom belongs. And if you go to Matthew chapter 1, you will see Abraham, you will see Isaac, you will see Jacob, and then you will see Judah's name, who was not Rachel's son, but Leah's son. And if you go down several more generations, you eventually get to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when God looked down and saw that Leah was unloved, (laughs) he opened her womb for Judah, who would make way for Jesus Christ. So even though Jacob had never chosen her, God had chosen her. And do you see how beautiful it is there that that how much better that he didn't just make Jacob love her? How much better that he had chosen her, that God had chosen her? But see, both Rachel and Leah, both of them, the matriarchs of the nation of Israel, both of them had unique and beautiful roles. But they were asleep to it. Therefore, it is said, get up, awake, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You guys, here's what I want, just to pull all this together, here's what I want. I want us to be awake to the things that Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. And the thing is, is that, and we've talked about this, we're never, fully, we're never fully asleep. We're awake to something. The question is, are we awake to the things that are right in front of us? Are we awake to the, all the things that the world talks to us about, all the things that the world tells us we need, all the things that we think that we're missing out on, all the places that we feel like we've been slighted? If you go back earlier in that passage in Ephesians, it talks about living in the light, which is goodness and righteousness. That's what we want to live in. And so I would, I would, I would ask you today just to, to, to spend some time today saying, Lord, what am I asleep to that you're doing in my life? And Lord, if I am too awake to the things that don't matter, put me to sleep in those areas just let that go dark. We don't need to bother with that. Because how different would Rachel and Leah's life looked if they could have been awake to what God was going to do anyway and if they could have been a part of it? Um, I want to close with a song, especially since we've talked about some brokenness today. It's called Healing Streams. And um, I wrote it with a man named Stuart Townend. And um, Stuart Townend wrote the hymn In Christ Alone which probably you all know. um, I kind of wish I had written that song with him instead of this one. Um, Because you've never heard of this one before. But um, anyway.
1: Will you hide me in your shelter? Will you shade me with your wings? Consumes me. Let me dream. Trouble waits, Lord. I shall not fear. The comforter, the counselor, the savior is here. Will you hide me in your shelter? Will you shade me with?
0: Guys, thank you, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's been such an honor um, to be with you all. I know that um, there are some closing remarks, but just as I was as I was just singing those last words, I was just thinking, gosh, if there's anybody, if there's anyone who came in here today, and you're like, I don't know if God's part of my story. I don't know if God sees me. I don't. I don't know that He's working in my life. I just want to let you know that that light of Christ that has shone down, it is for you. That he died on the cross, not just to die, not just to make this spectacle, but because someone had to pay for my sin and your sin. And Jesus said, I will do it. And so he took that sin upon himself and God resurrected him in that third day. And now he sits on the right hand of God, the father. And he intercedes for you and he loves you. And the scripture is so clear that, that if you want your disgrace taken away, all you have to do is say, I believe it, Jesus. I believe that you and only you are the way to the Father and that forgiveness of sin is mine because of what you did. And the scripture says you pass from death unto life, from darkness unto light. It's that simple. So if you haven't made that decision, man, call out to the Lord today. In fact, if there's anyone here, Lord, today, we just we say, Lord Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. And we believe that what you did for us, for me, was for my past, my present, and my future sin. And Lord, you have taken away my disgrace in Jesus Christ. And I want to be in relationship with you. I want your light to shine down on me. And I want to be awake in this life and in the life to come to everything that you're doing in my life and everything that you're doing in the world and everything that you're doing for your kingdom. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.